Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thanks so much for joining us here on the program. As we come your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at richarddugan.com. Our podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, many other locations, uh, too numerous to mention, and those that you have reposted our interviews to. Thank you for doing that. Greatly appreciate it. We will be giving you our guests' website here in just a couple of moments. And also a reminder, we are also on YouTube. Uh, that uh, you can now watch these interviews. You can see our uh, wonderful guests in all their splendor and glory, as it were. Uh, And uh, certainly we let them know that we're videoing so that there's no embarrassment in any way, shape, or form. So you get to watch the videos. You get to see me, the guy with the hat. Look for Richard Dugan and tell me your story on YouTube. I have a channel where all of these videos are located. So uh, please uh, do what you can to uh, listen to, watch, and then participate by going to our guest website. We'll be giving that to you shortly so that you can continue your evolutionary process. We also want you to participate in the 2020s, the decade of perfect vision. Yeah, we've expanded it uh, through the 2020s. Uh, these will be, this will be, an, unlike the, uh, the 20s of the 1920s, the gay 20s as they refer to it, the jazz age I guess they refer to it as, uh, this is going to be the decade of perfect vision. And uh, we hope that uh, the first year of this decade uh, has helped you uh, to get in touch with who you are, all the parts of who you are, both the light and the dark side, because that's what makes you, that's part of what makes you who you are. But also listening to that still small voice and also finding that peaceful, calm space where you can re-energize and rejuvenate and, and refocus your attention on what is important to you, not anybody else, but you. So please do that. And if you resonate with what we're doing here, if it uh, if it serves you and if you like the guests we're bringing and the subjects we're talking about, and I know you're going to like today, we uh, encourage you, if you can, support us financially. We have a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. And we thank those people who have supported us in the past and who will support us in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It it. Every time I receive a, a, a contribution to our uh, our efforts to change the world, one program at a time, I I'm just I'm blown away sometimes by the generosity of folks who are just it, it's just not again it's not about the amount it's the fact that they're willing to do that. So thank you if you're able to do so. Uh, we'll take energetic support as well, prayers, all of the good stuff that that makes life worth living in more ways than one. And life is definitely worth living. This is a great place, this planet, this earth, this uh, place where I live, Santa Barbara, California. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade places with anybody, but I would not watch it if it were a reality show because I'd be too busy living my life. We have a woman who is rejoining us uh, again here on the program who is uh, too busy living her life to sit around watching reality shows. It's not to say she probably hasn't. We maybe will find out. But um, she is going to talk to us on a continuing basis, I hope, uh, about a lot of the important things as she sees it. And today is no difference. We're going to talk uh, about the spiritual side of things, uh, such as our gifts, our spiritual gifts. What are they? What are spiritual gifts? Uh, and and, and uh, basically why we have forgotten 
that we're spiritual beings and we are having a human experience. Uh, my guest, uh, Kathy Groover, refers to, uh, she likes to use the term meat suit. Okay, a little, little, uh, little harsh in one sense, but not inaccurate. Okay, and we have Deneen Joyner rejoining us for this program today. Thank you so much for being with us. I, I love seeing your beautiful smile and that lovely long hair of yours. Hi, Richard. Thank you for having me back. You are very welcome. And I'm only envious because I used to have long hair and a ponytail. So, <laughs> <laughs> Now, when we had you back on the very first time, we, we talked an awful lot about yourself, your heritage, your background. Uh, you are... you. You are both African-American as well as Indian, and the Indian part of your heritage is where you lean, uh, that you resonate more with, if you will, that, that, that it's sort of, a, a, sort of more of an emphasis in your life. Uh, and to that, you are also a shaman, and is that the correct term to use for a female shaman as opposed to male shaman? It's just shaman. Yes, yes, it's still a shaman. <laughs> How did you become a shaman? The funny thing is, I didn't know that I was one. I didn't know that I was being prepared for that role. It started when I was five years old, when I wow. started to tap into a lot of the spiritual gifts that I had that really weren't matured yet. So they they were they were, you know, it's almost like a faucet. You turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. Um, I started to connect to to angels, being able to see them and hear them. So that's how it got started. And I became very inquisitive about these angels, me being able to see them and hear them. Um, and they made me really, really joyful whenever I connected to them. And then, uh, and then what ended up happening also was that I started to be able to tap into the energy in other people. I started to sense and feel things that were going on with them and mainly emotional things, emotional pain. And so, you know, as a young child trying to really understand this energy source mm -hmm. and trying to differ differentiate between my own energy and someone else's, was was really, you know, it, it really kind of confused me because mm. because I knew that I could sense and feel, but I didn't understand how I was able to do this. And I didn't feel comfortable talking to anybody about it. So there was that um, fear of if I say, you know, that I can that I feel things or I can see things and I can hear things, then what is going to happen to me? So that was something that I just kept inside for for most of my life, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it's amazing that at the age of five, you began to become aware. Most of us are too busy. We're too busy playing and what have you to be that consciously aware. But I've read of I've read the stories, for example, Paramahansa Yogananda was very much aware at a very early age in his early uh, existence. Uh, he even remembers the birthing. So, you know, it's not that surprising. I'm curious in terms of uh, being a shaman, I, I, I'm guessing that 
there is a a sort of a general definition of what a shaman is because I would think that depending upon the traditions, the the background, if you will, and in your case, uh, and and may I ask what was the what is the tribe that you associate with? So the the tribe that I associate with on the Native American side is Iroquois, yeah. and it is comprised of seven distinct different tribes that came together um, to create one powerful tribe. So if you look up Iroquois, you're going to actually see a number of different tribes that fall under that. And then on the African side, which comes from my father's side, the tribe is called Ibu. And they too have a considerable amount of highly um, gifted people as well as traditions and rituals that kind of really marry um, the Native American side in me. There's a lot of overlap in what they believe and their gifts and how they approached healing. And so, you know, so really for me, it's, it's, you know, it's beautiful for me to be able to draw on both these sides and really as an adult, be able to pick and choose the ones that I want to practice. Um, but to answer your question about the shaman, a shaman is someone who is highly gifted. They have at least eight or more gifts that they're aware of. Um, and some of them, you know, lend to being the intuitive, being an empath, um, also having all of what I call the clairs, clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient, which mm-hmm. allows them to really just fully get a 360 degree um, picture of, of a situation, of a person, of their feelings, and to be able to help them where they are mm. to navigate their life. The other um, aspect of being a, a shaman is the ability to connect very easily with spirit world and being able to take the spiritual aspects of this person to draw it down and to use that for healing Um, And then there's also channeling, which is a beautiful aspect as well, which allows me to be able to, again, connect to spirit world, connect to a person, whoever I'm working with, their their spirit guides, their angels, their soul family, Holy Spirit, um, to be able to to really just, you know, um, surround them with love and light and to be able to, to guide them forward. Have you connected with the actual Iroquois tribe uh, here in the United States in particular? And again, I don't know if they're Southern, Central, or North American tribes. Um, they're of the Americas, as at least as this continent is referred to. And yeah. I, I've done my genealogy, as well, not genealogy, um, uh, DNA. Mm-hmm. And I found out that <clears throat> I, have, uh, I have Native American, and when I say American, I'm talking the Americas. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, And yet for so many years, I I would stay away because I, I felt like it's not, that's not my, those aren't my people, so to speak. Okay. I didn't come from there and I don't want to, I do not want to disrespect them by diving into uh, trying to find out more about them. I didn't realize that the curiosity I had was genuine. It was genetic, uh, you know. So now I, I feel a little, a little more comfortable. And so with that, I want to talk to you a little bit about primarily the the Indian side, 
the American Indian side of you and the, sh- the shaman. And I think it's a beautiful thing that you've got shamanism coming from two separate continents. You yes. know, not to say that the, those continents hold anything special because it's planetary or, or even beyond that, because we're talking here about our spiritual lives, our spiritual walk through this life in these bodies with one another. Uh, and I know that a lot of people, when they hear the word shaman or they, you talk about the clairsentient and clairaudio and audio and so on and so forth, clairvoyance, a lot of people start to think, oh, I can get some answers to my questions. Like, when am I going to have a million dollars? When am I going to find the right person? In other words, it's, it's all about them and what they're going to get. You know, because when I used to listen to some of these uh, programs with mediums, you know, I like to call them intuitives because there's less, it's, it's not as charged as psychic, you know, that kind of thing, uh, or intuitive. Um, the questions were pretty much the same. It was either about relationships about job, about location, you know, about health, okay, rather than either A, what message or messages do you have for me? What do I need to know right now to help me through this period in my life? Whatever, you know, and it may be a good period of your life and you just want to know. Or um, it might be along the lines of how can I serve? What what should I be doing to better serve humanity, the people around me, my community, my family, uh, and myself? Because in the process of serving others, we are serving ourselves too. Yes. But that's not what a shaman is about. And that, that's not about what these gifts, that's not what these gifts are for. Right. Um, uh, in terms of predicting the future, you know, who's going to be the next president? Who's going to be the next pope? Uh, <laughs> when's the next earthquake, typhoon, hurricane, earth, uh, a tsunami, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, because that's going to be up to each one of us, I think. So when people find out who uh, that, that you're a shaman or that you have these gifts, and they're not necessarily aware and understanding— in the way that you and I are, as we converse here, of who and what you are all about, do they get that more ego-centered kind of uh, pondering and questioning and curiosity, or uh, how do you ha- and how do you handle that? Usually, when when people discover me and my gifts and how I go about helping people, they're really open to it because most of the people who find me need me. <laughs> Very and good. So, and, mm-hmm. and so even though they don't understand how I go about doing um, my work with them, they're so open to it. And most of them will tell me that they're exhausted emotionally mm. because they have endured a considerable amount of emotional pain and trauma in their life. And they have been in therapy for decades and they still don't feel like the way that they want to feel. So when they find me and they understand that I have these gifts and, and how I use them to connect to their soul. So literally I tell them that if you had a heart problem, you would seek a cardiologist. If you were having any type of neurological problems or migraines, you would go to a neurologist. 
And so I'm no different. My specialty is the soul, mm-hmm. specifically the soul. Okay. And and so I'm able to use my gifts to really go there. And I devote all of my energy to the soul. And so I'm able to, you know, really just feel the energy and to really get a clear picture of what is going on. So it's almost like, you know, if you were going to get an MRI, you know, you're getting that picture of exactly what is going on. And that's what I'm able to do with my gifts. I literally am able to connect to someone's soul and to get a clear picture of their pain, not only their pain, but their family's pain that has been perpetuated for decades and how that is showing up in their life presently. And so I'm able to connect the dots for them because a lot of people, they can tell you, yes, I have experienced, you know, X, Y, and Z in my life and I've not been able to resolve it. I don't know why, but I'm able to go deeper than that. I'm able to go deeper to the core of what is going on because what I know is that emotional pain and trauma is an energy and it takes up the most space in our souls. So if we have not properly given it the attention, whenever the event happened, then it becomes stored in our soul until it is honored. And honoring means being able to take the the time and the opportunity to acknowledge and give yourself permission to actually go there so that you can release it. Um, And what I have found is that therapy, um, like I said, unless you are addressing whatever it is within a certain time frame, I'm finding one to two years. If it goes beyond that time, then again, it becomes stored. And then Mm. what happens is we're living our life and we're encountering other events that are painful as well. And it doesn't even matter the magnitude of them, but the fact that you have that energy already there and you're just building on it, then that's why things become so much more excruciating. Mm. Even if it's something that really doesn't feel like it warrants you being and, and responding to it in the way that you are feeling, but that is truly the reason why. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. It seems to me like, uh, boy, you should you you need to be dealing with the kids first because they're the ones that that's where it, it a lot of it starts. The only problem with that, of course, is that uh, I think that that's going to deal with uh, what adults are doing to them or what they're experiencing through their interaction with adults, and that starts to get into a real real yes. problem area so you have to wait until they are adults unfortunately but we have had guests on this program who are here to help parents who are aware who are doing what they can uh, to um, uh, to raise their children you know uh, granted we we are going to have challenges throughout our lives from childhood on through but help them to flow through it rather than store it and that that so there are people that are doing that, and I know that that for you that's, you know, uh, dealing with the adults is is where you're at. How does how does being a shaman? Um, I, I want to use the word how does it serve you, but I want to be a little more specific in in that how does it help you 
to uh, uh, maybe work through some of your own uh, inner struggles and 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 so forth in terms of the way you're helping other people to do that to to did, you're dealing with the soul how yes. does it help your soul how does that being a shaman help to heal your soul or do you have to go to who is the shaman's shaman kind of thing <laughs> yes well I, I i strongly believe that for sure when you are healing and in and, and coaching another soul you in turn are doing the same for you mm. on whatever level that looks like you know i i started my journey some years ago and came to an evolution of being able to heal and understand my life using a different lens which is why i do the work that i do now so i'm always growing in my own healing it's not a one and done just because i have arrived at a certain level i still have you know more work to do personally um and i do have coaches as well, who, you know, who have been very, very instrumental in me being able to continue to free my own soul so that I can stay pure and open so that when I encounter a client, that I am able to connect readily without hesitating because my own stuff is in the way. Mm. So that is something that I continually work on is my own healing um, when I'm working actively with somebody, I'm just really humbled, to be perfectly honest. Every time I work with somebody, I'm humbled at the fact that I'm able to do what I'm able to do and, and to connect with this soul and to um, to to share, you know, all of the information that is given to me through all of these different gifts and my ability to be able to connect to not only their divine energies, but also their ancestors. So that is one of the things that I also am able to do when I'm doing this soul healing work is that I'm able to connect with their ancestors and they impart to me really um, critical and enlightening information for them to know so that they can be mindful. And like you were saying initially, you know, a lot of people feel lost. They don't know where they come from. They don't know that bloodline. And I have all of my clients do an ancestry test through 23andMe. Mm -hmm. And um, and so once they get their tests back, we explore that together. And I'm able to help them to, you know, use the information that I have given them along with the information from their ancestry tests. And we're able to look at that and really, really understand a lot of their whys and to allow them and empower them, just like you were saying, that curiosity is there mm -hmm. for everyone. And so being able to know definitively who you are, what you're comprised of, you can take that information and start to look at it in a different way. Look at their culture, look at their rituals, their beliefs, because more than likely, a lot of what you believe is coming from that, and you didn't even understand that and didn't know. Yeah. So it's really cool. And, and one of the other aspects of it, too, is uh, that I was just thinking of, the longer we're here on this planet, the more years that pass, and as new individuals are brought into this world and they have their DNA checked, tested, uh, 
the more parts of the planet they're going to see that they come from. Whereas if we were to go back in time, and if we could run a DNA test on someone back in the 1700s or the 1500s or B.C., they probably would only show one or maybe two very specific areas on the planet where they're from. Not only because of the size of the population, but because we hadn't traveled anywhere else at that point, you know, hadn't really traveled that far from where we lived to, you know, uh, um, to create other beings with other nations, peoples, and in terms of sort of uh, spreading the genes, if you will, uh, out into the rest of the world. And so the longer that humanity exists, the, the, the more mixed the DNA is going to be, which yeah. I would think, let's say in this day and age, we've got people who have, and maybe back in the 20th century, uh, we've had people, and obviously even before that, who have problems with certain cultures, certain mm-hmm. races, okay, certain ethnicities, and what I think would be fascinating, and again, these, these companies that do this testing, they don't have any axe to grind. They're not, they don't know you and your, your personal beliefs and likes and dislikes. And what could end up coming back is going to be showing that, oh, guess what? You know that group of people you don't cotton to? <laughs> guess what? You are, are part of that group. It's in your DNA. You might want to rethink your dislike because you're disliking part of you. Yes. And doesn't that also mirror the just the general dislikes that we have the the, you know for things and people? Okay. Uh, A certain personality traits we don't care and care for in other people is usually something we don't like within ourselves. That's right. So I think that's a very interesting metaphor. Actual DNA testing. I found out that uh, certainly I'm part Irish. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, you know, with Dugan, it's supposed to be. Uh, But I'm also Eastern European Jew. Now, it's a very small percentage, but it's still a percentage. It's still part of who and what I am. Yes. when you had your DNA tested, what were some of the minor, if, if I may ask, what were some of the minor uh, um, uh, parts of the globe that your, that your ancestors came from? Yes, it's funny that you said um, Ireland, because I do have Irish in my blood as well. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Apologize. <laughs> um, yes, and, and, and European, you know, some of the European um, countries did show up. Small, you know, really just uh, small percentages um, showed up, you know, in my chart. Um, But for the most part, there was a lot of um, African, uh, which is no surprise at all, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And and of course, the Native American. Right. Um, and, And I even think that there was maybe some Egyptian somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. Let's talk about these spiritual gifts that we refer to at the front end of the program. Um, 
I know that from a biblical standpoint, there are a set number of. There's a list. Is there really a list, or is it is it finite, or is it infinite? Well, in the Bible, you know, it, it kind of, you know, lists out, I think, seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, but I believe just like you just said, you know, I think that that was a, <laughs> that was kind of like a starting point. And, and within that, you know, it gets bigger, bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so I talked to you a little bit about some of these mm-hmm. gifts that people can have for sure. Everybody, um, is, um, intuitive and an empath. And basically, all that means is that you have the ability to, if you see somebody crying or um, an accident, the first thing is that you're concerned. Okay, so that's empathy. Mm -hmm. You have empathy for another person. Um, The intuition part is, you know, maybe I shouldn't go that way. I don't know why I feel like that, but I'm going to go this way instead. Mm -hmm. Then when you get home, you learn on the news that there was a accident like, oh, but sometimes people don't really even give it a second thought. They think that it was just a fluke, right? Um, because again, some people are afraid and they really don't understand what, what gifts are. Why, why do I sense and feel things? Why, when I walk into a room, do I feel either that maybe people were talking about me? It may be negatively. Um, But you sense, you get that energy surge and you can feel it and you don't understand. But that is a part of the intuitive and the empath in you. Um, And you're also using what is called clairsentient, which is basically um, your ability to to just blindly feel and to assess quickly and arrive at they're talking about me. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of different gifts that, you know, that we don't understand, but they're a part of us. They're a part of our nature because of how we are wired. You know, even the clear audience part, um, being able to hear, like I mentioned, I was able to at first hear angels speaking. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes people, you know, discredit that, you know, they, they're afraid and, and they feel weird being able to um, sometimes hear what another person is thinking or feeling. And, you know, they would never admit it, but, you know, and, and sometimes they do, oh, I hear, you know, I can feel you thinking about me Mm. or I can hear you, you know, Mm -hmm. saying X, Y, and Z. And that's what that's all about. Um, So we have a laundry list of of different gifts that are um, comprised inside you. They were there before you were born and, you know, everybody has similar gifts. And then there are ones that basically are, are unique and different to that person. Mm. Um, and if you're not afraid of them, if you are open to learning them and embracing them, then you'll be able to, just like if you were going to a gym and working out, you're going to get stronger in them. They're going to serve you better. Um, and, and your life is going to be, um, to be even more, um, What's the word I want to look just just basically you're going to be really just open. It's almost going to be like a 3D, you know, a 3D effect for you because you're going to be sensing and feeling and um, connecting and and acknowledging. So you're not, you know, no, I'm not I'm not going there. I'm not going to 
listen to what intuition is telling me, you know, because because it is something that is not tangible. This may, it's something that you feel. Yeah, this may sound like a strange question, uh, and maybe this is more uh, of a personality and or ego based kind of question, but it's there <laughs> nonetheless. What is the goal of these gifts? What is the goal? What is the, the goal, goal is, or purpose? Yes. Uh, is there yes. a single, you know? There is. There is. So so what happens is once we, because we talked about it initially, about being spiritual beings, having this earthly experience. Mm-hmm. And, and so we come here and we, soon as we get here, we're exposed to parents or our primary caretakers. And so their opinions and their experiences soon become our own. And so we're taken out of the element of being spiritual beings almost instantaneously because their parents have been here quite some time. They've experienced pain and trauma of their own. And so that is what primarily is what we focus on, the pain and trauma, because that's what we have seen. We all have these gifts for sure. But because we're focusing on the other things that are outside instead of what is going on truly in here, we lose sight of that. But what ends up happening is the further you get away from these gifts that are inside you and you become just, you know, inundated with the pain and focusing on it, then you start to not feel like yourself. And so that's when you hear people say that they feel stuck or they're unfulfilled. It's because everything now is is really mis- just really clouded by the pain and the trauma and the gifts are not able to breathe, if you will. But these gifts were actually given to you so that you could arrive at what I call your holy assignment, which is the only reason why you are here. So even though you do encounter some pain and some trauma, which really, if you didn't create it, was sent to you organically by divine so that you could be prepared for this holy assignment. Hmm. So it's a complement of pain and a complement of gifts that allow you to arrive at your holy assignment, whatever that is. Everybody's assignment is different. And it's something that whatever they have experienced in their life, pain and their gifts will allow them to then reach back and help other people who are similar to the pain that they have experienced, being able to help them along Mm. to their healing so that they can remember why they're here. And we all have different, and I'll use your term, holy assignments. We all have different ones. However, they are all collectively, they are synchronistic towards what end, from your perspective? What, to what end are these individual holy assignments geared toward? It's, it's really just geared to being, you know, I don't know if you've heard, you know, the same, basically bringing, bringing heaven down to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the goal. So then that is certainly a possibility. 
which is along the lines of what we talk about on this program about giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true, uh, changing the world so that it is more than just equitable for all 8 billion of us. You know, that to me is an inadequate word, equitable. Every one of us on this planet should be allowed to, should be able to thrive instead of just, Instead of just surviving, we should be thriving. Yes. So, yeah, it is um, uh, it is really, to me, something that uh, is extremely important from the standpoint of um, getting people to understand that. Yeah, most of us, you know, many of us, at least in the States, in the United States, you know, we're doing the old from paycheck to paycheck thing. Mm-hmm. And that and some people refer to that as just surviving. Yes. There are other people and other this is the real interesting, I'll call it a paradox, that people in other parts of the world who have less than we have, who might earn on the equivalency a whole lot less than we do. They might earn a dollar a day by comparison to what we earn in this country. And yet they are some of the happiest, freest, exuberant, colorful. And when I say colorful, not in terms of just personality, but I think we may have talked about this on our last program. When I see some of these documentaries about other cultures around the world, and the colors of the clothing are so vibrant and the patterns and the intricacies of the, of the prints or, or, or the weaving and all of this kind of stuff is just absolutely magnificent. And yet, by our judgment, by our scale, they're impoverished and we need to bring to them uh, we need to import democracy. We need to import uh, the modern conveniences of life. And it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. But they're happy the way they are. That's right. They're not surviving. They're actually thriving. Yes, they're living. They're living, yeah. Um, it seems to me that uh, that's part of, as you just used the term, bringing heaven on earth, creating a heaven on earth, is what these gifts are all about. But that's not all we have to, if, I, if, if the right word is, that's not all we have to rely on to accomplish that, that goal, if you want to make that the goal, which is very general, very broad, but still not a bad one. We also have other, what, entities, and of course there is the term spirit guides, because you mentioned Mm-hmm. that early on you were hearing angels. They are part of the the overall large tribe called spirit guides. Our ancestors are part of spirit guides, right? When, yeah. you, uh, when you tap into them, uh, you, you know who they are, uh, whether they are angels, whether they are your ancestors, we are, whether they are, I don't know, if, if there are other beings out in the universe... Maybe they're bipedal in terms of the, the material world um, who are 
tele- telepathically communicating? I mean, wh- where where does this begin and end in terms of spirit guides? Because it seems to me it's it's massive. It is massive. You know, the spirit guides. I mean, you know, a person can have some hundred some hundred uh, spirit guides that are literally assigned to them. So everybody has at least a hundred, I mean, hundreds, mm-hmm. not a hundred, right. hundreds. Hundreds, yeah. Okay. That's just the spirit guides. And the spirit guides, their role is to um, invisibly, because you, you know, there probably are some people maybe possibly that can see their spirit guides. I cannot see my spirit guides. I can only feel, sense them and hear them. Mm-hmm. But there are some people who are spiritually gifted where they can actually see some of their spirit guides. But our spirit guides, their role is really to, as it says, guide us, guide us daily. So connecting back to that intuition part of us, that's saying take a different way home. Mm -hmm. That's your spirit guide speaking to you, connecting with you, telling you these things. And it's up to you if you heed it or not because of free will. So Spirit guides will show up. They have different talents as well. You have some that are very highly creative. You have some that are able to help you if you were writing something, if you were working on a specific project um, that you could actually just call and say, um, you know, I need assistance with this project or I need assistance with whatever is going on in your life. If you invite in your spirit guides, they will show up for you. I promise you that. But you have to be open, number one. And number two, you have to be conscious enough to realize that they have come to you. So, and you have to do it every day. So it's not a one and done that you would invite your spirit guide in um, to help you with something or to, or maybe you don't even need help. Maybe you just want to sense and feel them. And you say, you know, I'd like to sense and feel you in my life. I want to feel you today. Can you show up for me? Can you let me know that you're here with me? They will do that. And whatever way that that looks and feels like to you, you may get a sensation of chills. You may actually feel energy. You might actually feel somebody is with you. Um, So there's different ways that they will show up for you, the spirit guides. And then there's a main guide. So we all have at least one guide. And that guide is generally an ancestor, okay? And so that could be either maternal or paternal, but it's usually one guide, a main guide. And this main guide, their role is to watch over you and to really strategically help you navigate your life. They will only come through if you invite them. Mm. So until then, they're just silently witnessing your life. And really trying to get you to to do what is going to help you get to the finish line and so that you can take up your holy assignment. And so you don't have to have had a relationship with this ancestor at all, because my main God is actually my great great grandmother, Lucinda, who Mm -hmm. I never met. She was born in 1872 and died in 1892. And so clearly. <laughs> Our paths never crossed, okay, here on earth, but she is my my main guide. Mm. And so we all have those main guides, um, you know, that are primarily associated through our blood. 
So we are blood related to our, our main guide. And then there are the angels. Angels are primarily um, used. They primarily go back and forth to spirit world, to earthly world. And they will help you in whatever time of need that you are in. Primarily, you hear people say that they were rescued from something. They don't know how they um, recovered from something or they remember, um, you know, being in a car accident and they should have died, but they didn't. So those will be instances and cases where angels would have intervened and, and, and actually came to their rescue. Um, so angels have a lot of different uh, roles as well. They primarily, like I said, they go back and forth. Whereas our spirit guides, for the most part, they're here with us always. Um, and they rotate. So because there's so many of them, um, they can't always be, if you were to feel all of your spirit guides, you would be overwhelmed. It would be like, you know, you drinking probably 20 energy drinks. <laughs> you would feel that much energy. You know, if you were if you were to actually tap into all of your spirit guides at the same time, it would be too much. And they know that. So that's why they kind of hang in the background. Um, and there's just a, a few that actually surround you every day. Hmm. You know, it's uh, it it's interesting, too, that people want answers to their questions and they want it now. And I've heard it said that if we were given all of the information that we have been wanting, that it would probably, maybe even literally, just we'd burn up, you know, spontaneous combustion, so to speak, because we couldn't handle all of it at once. No. We just couldn't handle knowing whatever it is that we wanted to know all at one time. It has to come gradual. That's Um, right. By the same token, going back to the intuition, you could get the answers to your questions just by going within. Yes. At the very least, you might get the answer that it's coming. Okay, just hang on, you know. Uh, we, we, you know, we're way back in the stack somewhere looking for the, looking for the book. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yes. And it's... Uh, it's really very interesting that um, uh, people are, um, you know, they want the answers. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Although I heard this wonderful line from someone because I've always been asking questions uh, even before I started uh, doing interviews. Um, this is you need to leave some answers, uh, some questions unanswered for, for, for the hereafter kind of thing, you know, <laughs> give you something to do, as it were. <laughs> but I've also heard this that there comes a point when you need to give up the need to know why. Uh, that, and then, if, and then the, a question actually follow, follows up that statement. If you knew why, how would that change your life? Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, it wouldn't. Uh, but that tenth time, it's, it's like this... Um, we were watching this one program where this uh, this gal, she was being raised by her mother, and all of a sudden, and uh, she's she's getting really curious about what's happening. She's like, I think she's 18, 19 years old, and 
And it's like something's not right. Something wasn't resonating in her. Maybe her intuition was starting to kick in, and she's starting to question what the heck's going on. Because she was basically laid up in bed, and she had to be put in a wheelchair in order to be able to be moved about. And she managed to find out that her mother was actually drugging her to make her disabled in order to keep her there. Now, she was doing homeschooling or whatever. Maybe she's, you know, and so she was about ready to go off to college. So the mother, and I believe, I think the syndrome, I want to say Asperger's, may, I may be wrong. No, it's called uh, Munchausen, Munchausen disease. That's right. And there was actually a movie that came out uh, with a very other famous situation. In any event, uh, so she, she begins to find out all of this stuff. And then all of the sudden, she's not taking the medication. She's able to hide the, the, taking the medication from her to where now she's able to walk all of the sudden. And then she finds out it's not a real mother, that she was kidnapped from the nursery at the hospital when she was an infant. Now, in that instance, the need to know why is pretty profound because now she's realizing she doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know where she comes from or anything and was eventually reunited 18 years later with her real biological parents, which was really quite astounding. That's pretty much where the film ended. Those are those kinds of extreme situations. Yes. But sometimes we we have um, situations, the traumas, the pain that we've experienced as we were growing up. And if we knew the reason why our father did this to us or our mother did that to us or our siblings did that or Uncle Fred or Aunt Judy or whoever. And we realize that, well, they did this because this is the way they were raised because it was what they knew to do. They did the best they could with the information they had. doesn't really change a whole lot. And it seems to me like what needs to change isn't so much getting the answer as much as changing your perspective, if I'm correct here, of that event. Not, not dismissing what happened and who did it. Right, right. But putting a different spin on it. Is that kind of the work that you do in that regard? Yes, really, really what I do when I when I partner with somebody to, to begin to to heal their soul, is they take on the lens of becoming a student of their life. And so becoming a student of your life means that you are looking for information to connect the dots to as to why you respond to emotional pain the way that you have. Mm. And you also are looking for who your teachers were, which primarily are your parents or your caretakers. And I have worked with adopted um, adults and foster adults as well. And so it would be whoever was, was around you. And so there are some people who have not had parents per se, they were literally raised in um, in an infrastructure um, that was mandated by the state. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't always look like a foster parent or home. It could literally be a residential treatment facility where they actually grew up. 
which means that they had a number of different workers in and out of their lives. And so again, whoever was around them is where this blueprint, this emotional framework starts to develop. Mm. And that's for all of us. So usually what happens is I get them to start to look at their life with a new lens, a lens of being able to disconnect from the bias that we have growing up with parents and having um, the experiences that we had when we were growing up and what that looked and felt like. Being able to take a step back and say, I'm not looking to blame or shame. I'm really looking for information that is going to help me to understand myself better. Mm. And so you're exactly right. It takes on a different lens when you're able to do that. When you're not looking to attack another person because of what they did or said to you, but because you're looking at it now, the conversation and the unspoken energy, you're actually looking at it in a different way now. And you're looking at it because you want to see how is that showing up for me now? Hmm. I use the analogy of, because I primarily work with women, that we are developing and usually our emotional framework is pretty much intact by the time that we're nine years old. Hmm. And so you've experienced different events of pain and trauma. And so you're already developing your coping methods based on your parents, what you see, and the unconscious feelings that you've received from whatever event. And so that's where you're operating. Most people are operating from a child's emotional framework. And if you think about that, depending on how old you are, that's kind of like, wow, (laughs) Mm. do I really want to still use the same emotional framework that I used when I was five, six, or seven to, you know, somebody who was in their fifties or sixties or forties? Yeah. No. You know, and, and you realize that you realize that it doesn't feel good, but you don't know why it doesn't feel good, you know, and you may even become angry at yourself for responding to something um, in a way that really you wished you had maybe not. And so when we have those experiences, that is what is playing out behind the scenes is we're relying more on our emotional upbringing and what we saw, what we felt, what we heard what we saw our parents do. And then we're translating and adopting that into real time without even knowing. Mm. Well, two things, and I don't want to miss either of these. Um, I want to throw in uh, past lives, but something that that popped up here was um, things that we did in those first nine years that now when we look back, or maybe 10 or 11 or 12 or 13 years, you know, what have you, uh, in our past that we did that we look back with maybe regret, uh, shame, not that was done to us, okay, but that we did to someone else. All right, we inflicted the trauma. And yeah. it doesn't, doesn't mean we beat somebody up or what have you. It just means that they experienced a trauma. Yeah. What we did was as a child... Okay, out of maybe maybe curiosity. Uh, matter of fact, the one that comes to mind for me wasn't so much out of curiosity. My brother and I, you know, as brothers would often do, we would get into little skirmishes. 
and uh, we were in the backyard of my parents' house at the time, obviously, and I tossed or threw a metal, it was one of these small little indoor, maybe a bathroom garbage can at him, you know, wastebasket. It hit him in the mouth and knocked out his two front teeth. Now, we were young enough to where they grew back, you know, the, the permanent teeth came in. Uh, but that's an event that just popped up into my mind as I was thinking about this, as you were sharing this. And I'm wondering about the reframing, the perspective, the understanding that we need to have over those kinds of events that we didn't know any better because we were just children. Right. We were just experiencing, okay? Yes. <clears throat> what about those kinds of traumas that pop up? Uh, you know, and I know that, for example, in the twelve-step uh, uh, programs, one of the elements is of, of making amends. Yes. You know? And um, certainly back then, when this happened, you know, I certainly apologized, and I did mean it to my brother because I didn't mean to knock his teeth out. Right. I mean, that was certainly not the intent. You know, uh, so. How how do how do is is it the same process that you're dealing with, or is there something just a, a twist a little differently in in that regard? Yeah, I think you know for sure that is definitely a different event than generally I have been dealing with. You know, it's usually the deeper um, events of pain and trauma that this person has experienced or inflicted on someone else. But for your scenario, definitely, I, I think you've done everything that you could. You made amends then. Um, and if it's something that, you know, that would or is haunting you, then I would revisit that, you know, with with yourself first. Yeah. Um, you know, if your brother accepted your apology then, then there's probably no need for you to go back now and say, hey, <laughs> I just want to tell you. I want to tell you again, I'm sorry I knocked your teeth out. But I think if it's still sitting on your soul, mm. then you need to make peace with yourself and say just what you said. I was a child. We were goofing off. I didn't mean to do that. Um, and I want to just ask myself for forgiveness mm -hmm. so that I can release this feeling and knowing that I would never do anything to harm my brother intentionally. Yeah. And so I would like to just have, you know, have that and have that knowing and, and give yourself peace. Yeah. So events like that, where, like you said, they're really just, we're being children, we're exploring whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And something happens, unfortunately, you know, maybe you didn't have the opportunity to tell your brother, sorry, maybe, you know, maybe your ego took effect and you puffed up and just said, well, you deserved it because you were doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just moved on with your life. Then for sure, um, you would need to make peace with yourself and make peace with him. Yeah. Let's talk about what I mentioned earlier, because uh, I didn't want to forget this. I mean, we talked about the, the events, the traumas, the experiences of this life. Mm -hmm. uh, I would... I would gather that there's a, an additional process that we need to go through um, in order to deal with the traumas, the experiences of past lives, or is it still the same thing? No, the, we, we have, you know, we have a lot of different 
um, lives, you know, and it, and it can go back, you know, again, we have the same soul and spirit and, and it's just basically, um, when you have that deja vu, I don't know if you've ever had deja vu, but I've had it a lot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that deja vu speaks to what we're talking about right now, the past lives where you felt like this has happened before. Um, And you just feel and sense like, I know what's going to happen next. And lo and behold, it does. That is because you have been here before and it has happened before. And yet again, you're being presented with the same scenario in the earthly form that you are now. But again, your soul and spirit has already been here several different lifetimes. And so it knows and it responds to it. And because of that, because you're connected to that, you then have the same experience, the same outcome. Mm. So yes, there's several, several, several different lifetimes that we all have had. And really, to be perfectly honest, the reason why we keep having all of these different lifetimes is because we haven't gotten it right yet. <laughs> we haven't we haven't remembered why we're here. So that's why we keep returning. It's until we are able to recognize and to keep ourselves less distracted and to open ourselves up to be able to hear God or whoever you call God to be able to tap into our spiritual GPS, which is our intuition, which will help us to navigate our steps, our life. That is when you're able to get closer and closer to fulfilling your holy assignment. And that's when you feel at peace. That's when things happen that are effortless and you really experience joy and peace, which is really what we should be experiencing every day, mm-hmm. not the pain and the angst. The reason why we tap into that so much is because it's not supposed to be there and it wants to purge. It wants to come out and it should come out. Once we're able to do that, then we can actually refocus our efforts on remembering why we're here mm-hmm. and we can actually start to begin to get closer and closer to the finish line. I'm going to ask you a question about something that I see right now. Uh, I want to ask you about that painting behind you. <laughs> Can you tell me about that? Yes. Yeah, so That's beautiful. the painting behind me is is um, very near and dear to me. I had a friend um, actually paint it for me, and it's actually a banner now. It's a picture of my great great, great, great grandfather. And, um, and so that was him when he was younger. And he is one of my, um, one of my guides as well. He's not my main guy, but he is a guide and he's a protector. He protects me. Um, his role was, was of, uh, when people would die, helping them to pass over, to cross mm. over to spirit world. And so he, he, you know, um, really, really was instrumental in, in a lot of people being able to cross over, be at peace and be protected um, and feel protected. And so, um, so yeah, so that's who that is. And, and I actually, you know, it just 
brings me so much joy and peace um, seeing that picture because it reminds me of who I am, why I'm here, why I'm doing the work that I'm doing. Um, and yeah, and so that, that's who that is. <laughs> and it's really important for us to get in touch with who we are and why we are here, isn't it? I mean, because otherwise we kind of go through this life almost on autopilot. And that's why yes. we see so many people. That's why, I mean, you know, there's a part of me that's kind of like uh, those experiences, which we all have had, where you're driving, <clears throat> you get in the car, or it could be walking to whatever it is, but you're going from point A to point B. You get to point B and go, how the heck did I get here? Because you don't, somehow you just don't remember getting the, the journey. You don't remember the journey. You only remember the departure and the destination. Yeah. Uh, which on some point say, well, that's kind of scary. You know, you were in the car going down the freeway and you don't remember. <laughs> but something takes over, thank goodness. Uh, but But that's why it's so important for us to stay as conscious and in this moment as we possibly yeah. can. Yeah, for sure. That's a beautiful picture. And uh, thank you. I thank you for sharing that with us through the images of Zoom, which tells our listeners that you're going to have to go to YouTube in order to see this painting, this gorgeous painting that she has, that, that Danine Joyner has shared with us here on the program uh, uh, through the um, magic and the miracles of, uh, of uh, digital electronics and all that good stuff. What website would you like for our guests to go to to find out more about you, find out more about the work that you're doing, and maybe even connect with you to do some work with you? Because that's really what it is. You're not going to do anything for them. That's right. They're the ones that are going to do the work. Don't forget that, folks. That's right. You're going to do right. the work. She is going to help to facilitate. Where, where yes. should we go? Yes. Oh, my God. So difficult. And we'll be linked to that. <laughs> we'll be linked to that website as well, uh, so that uh, our our listeners can continue their evolutionary process, their transformational process. You know, you brought up something very interesting about your, um, and I'm gonna not gonna. I don't have the right number here, but the great great your great 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 grandfather there, uh, helping people to transition, as I like to call it. Uh, and it really is just that. You know, basically, you're you're trading in your old vehicle for a new one. And um, uh, it seems that there are a myriad of folks, although this is becoming, it's getting better. I think it's getting better, but still there is still that mystery and fear over that process. It doesn't seem as though this world seems to have any problem with us coming into this world that's joyful and exciting and thrilling and all of that kind of stuff. But you would think that we would begin the process of learning that, you know, when we leave this world to go to the next, aren't we kind of being born into that world in a manner of speaking? And there's got to be some joy and happiness and excitement on the other side that, oh, look who's coming. How wonderful. Uh, and kind of look at it from that perspective rather than the fear that has been generated over this very natural process. Yes, I, I totally agree <clears throat> that there is more fear placed on death than there is on birth. And that's just because, again, 
if you think about what I said, you know, in the beginning of our conversation about our focus tends to be more on the doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fear comes from the unknown. You know, if you're already born, then you, you have an idea of what that looks like, but you don't know what death looks like. Yeah. There are some people who do know what death looks like. People who have died in, in return, literally. Um, they mm-hmm. have those near death yeah. experiences and they can tell you what that looked like, what it felt like. And most people who have experienced near death will tell you that it was beautiful. Yeah. First thing they're telling you is that there was a lot and abundance of white light. They felt love. They felt at peace. And most of them <laughs> will tell you that they didn't want to come back. Yeah. You know, most people will tell you that like it felt so euphoric that, I didn't want to come back, but I was told that it was too soon. Yeah. And they sent me back. This is not you your know? time. Not your time. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, you know, so you're exactly right. You know, there there is no reason to fear, to yeah. fear death at all. And I want to say quickly, because we're talking about this subject matter of death and mm-hmm. dying and, you know, basically in spirit realm in heaven, there is what's called a cover story. Okay, Hmm. so there's a cover story that we have when we die here on Earth. And so that cover story could be, you know, unfortunately, maybe there was a car accident that that created death. There was an illness that created death. There might have even been a murder that created death, whatever that is. That's the cover story that is used here on Earth. Once that soul actually leaves and returns to heaven, earthly realm. It's not looked on as far as how did you die? Right. It doesn't matter because that's just the cover story that's used here on earth. Right. All that, all that is, you know, that spirit knows is that you have returned, you've returned home. And then it's determined at that point, if you need to return or not. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important for people to do their healing work so that they can be, you know, they can actually fulfill the reason why they're here and that there won't be a reason for them to return because they're actually going to fulfill that destiny and that purpose so that there is no need for them to return back. Yeah. Uh, This thought just came to mind when you referred to that. Um, There are nearly 8 billion people on this planet right now, which means there are at least... 8 billion souls. Uh, and they, they predict from the earthly perspective that maybe by mid-21st century, 2050, there could be maybe 10 billion or 12 billion or what have you. And, and I thought, my God, how many souls are there that need to inhabit bodies? What's going on here? And I keep thinking, well, and of course, that's the number of people who are living today. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, all of these people necessarily reincarnated, although I suppose, you know, I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know if that's even measurable. I don't even know if it's even relevant for that for that matter. <laughs> uh, but it just seems like, my gosh, you know, this planet really can sustain a lot of people. And of course, there are all kinds of measurements to determine what the population sustainability number is. Um, some have even said it's probably closer to uh, one or two billion and uh, we're way over 
way over the limit. The fire marshal is going to be here soon and saying, I'm sorry, <laughs> most of you have to leave. Um, and I've often wondered this question, and I think I may have raised this with you the last time we did the program, and I've tried to, to look at this from a very uh, objective perspective, and it's kind of hard because of man's inhumanity to man. Does, you know, does man deserve to continue? Because he just, as, as a species, not as the different groups, the tribes, the communities, but as an overall species, just has not learned in thousands of years. And they say we're going to, if we don't do something within the next 8 to 12 years, uh, we're going to be going through a mass extinction for the sixth time. Your thoughts on... Not, not just my question, does man really deserve to continue on this planet because of his, his inability to learn, to get along with his fellow man, but maybe more so that other aspect of the mass extinction kind of events. The, they say we've been through five, could, could do six. I'm hoping we don't, uh, but uh, you know, we'll, only time will tell. Um, but your thoughts on on humanity's future from the shamanic perspective, and I'm I'm not asking for prediction here. I understand that's not what it's about. Right, but- right. Now, I, I I definitely have a very strong belief that we will actually see a a strong turnaround um, within at least four years, if not if, if not less where war will actually start to realize that we are more alike than different, mm-hmm. that we will start to be more conscious and aware of our behaviors. I believe that people want to do the right thing, but there are a lot of people who don't know what that looks like. I believe we're going to have a evolution of people who are seeking themselves deeply especially coming out of this pandemic i believe this pandemic has showed all of us who we are and some of it has not been too nice but i believe that at the end of the day that people really want to leave a legacy of truth and love and i believe that those people will become restless and they'll be, if not wanting to do it, they'll be forced Mm. to do something different. And if we can do that, if individuals can take on their own healing, then of course the collective is going to reap the reward and things will start to turn around Mm. and we'll see, we'll see and feel a different world. So I believe that, you know, that it's going to take some time, Mm -hmm. but I believe that it is possible. I believe that it will happen for sure. We need to be patient with time, but we also need to be patient with each other. Yes. Yeah. And as one of my uh, guests uh, has said many times, uh, we need to work towards understanding each other. It doesn't mean you agree with them. It doesn't mean you buy into whatever it is that they're selling, so to speak, but that you understand where they're coming from. Uh, and then, of course, that leads us to we realizing how we are more similar than we are different. 
We are more For alike sure. than we are unalike, as it were. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Deneen Joyner is my guest. The website, DeneenJoyner.com, is the website. We certainly hope that you will take the time to go to her website and find out more about what she is doing, maybe connect with her, do some work, which I tell you what, it is just extraordinary that we're able to do the things we're able to do. Uh, you know, they someone said, uh, someone made the comment that if this pandemic had happened, let's say, in the 90s, this would not be, uh, it would just be bad. It just wouldn't be good. It really would. But yes. because we have the Internet, because we have all of this connectivity, we're able to stay, I'm going to say it this way, we're able to stay socially connected and physically distanced. Yes. Uh, and we'll get through this. I mean, it seems like it's taken a long time, but my God, this is, it's just only been one year, folks. One, you know, 12 months, 365 days. That's all it's been. Out of, and and I'm 60. That's one year out of 60. You know? So we just need to just kind of just take it easy. Be gentle with ourselves. I love what you said yeah. earlier about forgiving ourselves. That to me seems to be one of the most important lessons that we need to teach ourselves and one another. Especially if we have been not behaving really kindly we've been getting a little angry and upset and aggressive and and that kind of stuff over wearing masks and there not being enough toilet paper on the shelves and whatever uh, having to stay home forgive yourself it's okay we understand because we're all going through it and maybe that's part of this this is just not happening to america this is happening to the entire population yes and it sounds strange to put it this way, Denise, but that's a beautiful thing, that it's happening to everybody. It's affecting everybody in, at one level in some in one way or another. And yeah. uh, together we'll, we'll do just fine. Denine Joyner, I want to thank you so much for sharing this. this I mean, and again, we've only scratched the surface of this, but I, I really appreciate what you've shared with us, not only about yourself, but about the work that you do. And we will be directing people to Janine Joyner, DeneenJoyner.com. I think that's somebody else. That's my next guest um, is Janine Joyner. Uh, Janine Joyner, I thank you so much and appreciate the fact that uh, uh, you are out there for us and with us yeah. uh, to, to help us to release those, uh, those, those feelings, the trauma and the pain, uh, emotional and spiritual, so that we can continue to move forward to do our our holy work, as, as you put it. And I really like that, holy work. It's very cool. Uh, and I hope that we can do this again and talk about some other areas of the shamanic life that yeah. people can incorporate into their world, into their being, uh, to uh, help others in their community directly to, to, to make this a better place. And I say this over and over again when I say that phrase. It's not to say that this is a terrible, awful, icky place that we got to get out of. No, 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 no. This is a beautiful place, and we can make it even better. And I know we yeah. will. Together, we will. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Richard. I want to offer to you one final word to our uh, listeners, uh, whether it be from the channels, from yourself, uh, 
uh, from the shaman, uh, a message, if you will, that, that our listeners can kind of take with them? Stay present. Stay present. Don't worry about what is going to happen tomorrow or next week or even next year. Just stay present because if you can stay present, then you're going to be devoting your energy to where it needs to be. And you won't miss out on something that if you were looking for tomorrow or next year that you would miss. There's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of good that's going on here. And I believe that people are becoming distracted so much so that they're missing out on that. So please just stay present and meditate and also stay connected to your source, whoever that is. And we will all get through this for sure. DeneenJoiner.com is the website. We hope that you will go there. Uh, before we wrap this up, I have three final questions for you uh, that I ask all of my guests. You may have addressed them as we did this program today, and I did ask you in the last program as well. But sometimes the answers change, and that's that's a good thing too. But before I uh, do that, I want to let our listeners know that we are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. on this fine station. We do podcasts at richarddugan.com as well as SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. And um, we are also on YouTube. YouTube channel, Richard Dugan. Tell me your story. Look for the guy with the hat, okay? Not that hard to find. And uh, we also encourage you to go to deninejoiner.com to find out more. If you'd like to support the work we are doing, a PayPal account for your security as well as ours. We'll take any amount and we'll take energetic support as well. And I think it's great advice that we did talk about in this program. Go within. Spend some time during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and uh, get in touch with the real you. Nobody can tell you, I don't care if they say, I know you better than you know yourself, they're wrong. You know you better than anybody else. So get to know you, all parts of you. It might be a little scary, and that's where Deneen comes in. She can help you to maybe work through some of those scary places that uh, you haven't, you've sort of feared to tread. So uh, I certainly look her up, and and uh, and and I think that will you'll you'll be doing yourself a great service. My first question is: Who is Deneen Joiner? Deneen Joiner is a spirit guide here on assignment to help women navigate their lives and to release pain and trauma that they've been carrying, so they may fulfill their holy assignment. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I just want to continue to do what I'm doing again, which is to to help women navigate their lives and to find a different way to live. I would like to help more women. And so I'm hoping that through this program that they will find me and realize that it's time for them to do so. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Well, my life's purpose is what I just described. The only reason why I am here is to help women understand their lives of pain and trauma so that they may release it and understand that there is a different way of being so that they can step forth 
and in return help other people, which is the only reason why they are here. Well, again, I thank you so much for joining us, and I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast podcast, love to love.